Hello, food enthusiasts. Welcome to another episode of the Future Foodcast. I'm Pam Miller, and I'll be your host for this episode. I am very excited to have with me a really cool guest I think you're going to enjoy. I'm very excited about our guest today. He has a lot of insight into technology, entrepreneurship, and what's going on in the food space. I have with me Jeremy Terman. He is the Director of Enterprise Sales at Lunchbox. Welcome to the podcast, Jeremy. Yeah, thank you so much. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're, we're really excited to have you. Well, first of all, before we jump into what you're doing now, you have a, a great story of where you've been as a young man and entrepreneur. Can you fill us in on how you got where you are now? Definitely. So, you know, I was very fortunate uh, at the University of Missouri. I was the president of a fraternity and there was a small startup out of Chico State called Pocket Points that was rewarding students for staying off of their cell phones. And they reached out to me because they were Sigma Chi's and they said, hey, do you know anyone in the fraternity that would want to launch this app? And I said, yes, me. Um, and so, you know, that I, that's how I really got my entry into the restaurant space. I had retail experience at Verizon throughout college and had never worked in a restaurant. You know, I love eating out and going to restaurants, but had never actually worked in restaurant technology before. And so this uh, company called Pocket Points, we geofenced classrooms. So when you would go into the classroom, you would open up your cell phone and you would lock your phone and you would earn points as a matter of time off of your phone. And so then as you would earn those points, we created a marketplace that then you could go to Jimmy John's and get a free bag of chips for 15 points or Pita Pit and get a buy one, get one free for 30 points. And so that's really where I start, started to see, okay, college towns, restaurants are so dependent on the college students to really fund them and the method in which they are doing it is in the coupon book like technology there needs to be a better way for them to track hey i want to give unique coupons so i know that jeremy isn't redeeming a paper coupon five times so started getting into coupon technology and really leveraging from a customer acquisition perspective couponing in the restaurant space which for anyone that's in the coupon space in the restaurant industry i have so much respect for you it is one of the hardest out there. Um, so that's that's really how I got the start into the restaurant technology industry. You know, your story is not uncommon. It's, it's so often that people just happen to end up in, in the industry that they end up working in. And you, you ask people, are you working uh, in the major that you had in college? And so many times it's a no, but you actually did get real world experience and your start while you were in college. So that's that's a little bit, at least a little bit of a help. And, and so moving forward, you decided you want to stay in the in restaurant technology that kind of launched you into that. Yeah, so we, we ended up launching the mobile app across the University of Missouri. We had about 20,000 students using it across the campus. And, you know, we were a six-person startup. And so we fundraised some capital, and then we hired more salespeople. And so then I was responsible for the next 18 months of launching about 20 different universities across the Midwest. And was very fortunate that my VP of sales left pocket points to go to DoorDash. And so DoorDash at the time was smaller than Postmates. We had about 6% market share. Uh, we had just raised a down round. And so people were questioning whether or not, you know, DoorDash would, would succeed long-term. And so, you know, because I've launched markets the past, you know, two years, they said, hey, why don't you come launch markets for DoorDash? And I said, great, mobile coupons now turning into food delivery. Why not? And you know, I'm very fortunate and lucky that you know, I was really able to see the growth of off-premise 
and delivery take off for brands because at the time, you know, people were barely doing online ordering, right? The cloud-based POS systems weren't, you know, widely adopted. And so, you know, over the past, you know, five, six years, I've really been able to see the growth of food delivery, off-premise, online ordering, and, you know, which has led me to, to Lunchbox here, which is really now, instead of building marketplaces for the third parties, helping brands build and scale their own channels. And so, you know, excited to really dive into, you know, that evolution over the past decade. Yeah, that is really exciting because timing has been great for you. Obviously, first of all, DoorDash did not go out of existence after that down round. They, they've been very, very successful. And I know that you were probably a part of that and very excited to you know be moving through that. But now, fast forward, technology has caught up. And you're able to leverage that more than, you know, you were struggling back in the beginning to, to figure out how to make that work and the adoption of it. But now because of the pandemic, everybody's adopting, adopting that. So tell us what, what you're doing now with Lunchbox and why this is kind of the perfect storm of what's happening in the food space. Yeah, definitely. So I think in, in restaurant operators listening will understand the tablet hell uh, that's heavily referred to in the industry where these third-party companies grew so fast and they were doing so much volume, but they weren't directly integrated into the POS system. And so maybe your online ordering was set up to go directly to your POS. So when you would order, it would be very seamless for the back end, for the folks in the kitchen, for the folks in accounting, reconciling the books. So you would walk into a restaurant, you know, in 2018, and you would see five tablets, six tablets on a wall, and you would say, oh my gosh, restaurant operators, how are you going to solve this? And the answer was, you have someone playing on the iPads all, all day. And it's like, that wasn't scalable. So you saw a mass adoption of, you know, Olo uh, created the market by helping take third party into the POS. Chowley, it's a checkmate, Deliverect, Otter, Ordermark. You know, there's, you know, half a dozen companies that are doing this middleware integration that really helped consolidate a lot of the off-premise sales to now be directly integrated into the POS system. So we've seen a huge migration of centralizing technology. However, from a loyalty perspective and an online ordering and a custom mobile app and customer engagement tools, you still think about the restaurant business holistically, you're still having to get a different vendor for each different type of need for your business. And so that's where Lunchbox is really helping put all of these pieces together, which is we will build the mobile app. We're going to have the tech team that will update the code. We'll do those mobile app updates. We're going to have an online ordering solution. So you don't have to hire someone to build a beautiful online ordering experience. We're going to have a loyalty system integrated. So whether you're ordering online or in store or on the app, your loyalty is engaged. And then we back all that up with the customer engagement tool that allows you to build customer personas. So if Jeremy hasn't ordered in 45 days, I get this email. And if I don't reply to the email, I get that email. And if I don't reply to that email, I get a text message. So we really are helping restaurant operators build their digital storefront. And I think that is what's so crucial. And as we look, you know, it's 2022, we start looking in the years to come, you know, technology is our future. So how do you simplify technology for the restaurant operators? And that's truly what we're doing here at Lunchbox is helping consolidate third party, helping build and scale your digital channel in one partner, and then making sure that you have the right marketing resources to build and attract new customers and then retain and grow that customer base. 
Okay, that was a lot, Jeremy. So let, let's unpack a little bit of, that you were talking about lunchbox. No pun intended, right? That was kind of hard to me to say it that way, but uh, let's open up this lunchbox and, and dis distill down what, what you were saying. Essentially, the way things have existed, the third parties, which are all these other businesses, you know, that we're trying to get together, they, they might've been bringing the restaurants or the locations customers, but the location didn't have any of those analytics or any connection. Am I understanding that right? Like the third party was just out there and it wasn't, you were providing the food or the service, but you weren't finding out who that customer is, right? Well, you still don't. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the, you know, two-sided coins of using a third party service, like a DoorDash or Uber Eats or Grubhub, Postmates, is that those customers live on those platforms, which is great, right? DoorDash is a phenomenal platform. Dash Pass is a subscription program that makes it really easy to order all the time. And so, you know, that's the power of these third-party platforms. And yeah, as a restaurant operator, it's a part of your business that you just don't know who that customer is, but it's a, a high volume. So you want to keep that channel open. Right. But the value that Lunchbox is offering is that actual connection with the customer, right? So that, that I can communicate with them. I know what they're ordering. I know what their normal bills might be. I know how often they might visit my location. Is Am I understanding that right? 100%. So we're helping, because we're helping build a restaurant's digital channel that has just as great, if not a better ordering experience, why would someone want to order from a third party if I can order through cleanjuice.com and that experience is so amazing that like, why would I ever leave clean juice? I just want to order from them directly. Clean juice is one of our national clients and really helping take those third party customers to your first party and helping convert someone that is using DoorDash. Hey, now why don't you just come use our channel and we're going to build engagement and we're going to have you be part of our community. Yeah. And not to mention the profit margin, because those third parties are taking a piece of a percentage of your profit. Whereas if you can be that source for ordering and, and everything and make it first party, then you get to apply that to your lunchbox or, you know, right. whatever, you, whatever service you're paying for to have that app out there. And, you know, those costs instead of um, the third party percentage. Well, well uh, for sure. And I, and I think, you know, brands have found ways to, you know, navigate the third party commissions. You know, some brands do price inflation, some brands do limited menu items. Uh, but I do think the power of delivery is very important because there, there's a large consumer base that wants that to go, that wants that delivered to their office, to their house, to a family member. So what we've done even further is we actually partner with the third-party companies to do fulfillment. So if you order delivery from Clean Juice, it's not Clean Juice delivering the order, it's DoorDash Drive or DoorDash's fulfillment software. So we're definitely staying very close and strong with the third-party companies because again, these are massive networks that have been built and the logistics and the infrastructure behind it is best in class. So we definitely want to tap into that. And that's something we encourage of our partners is giving them not just the ability to order online for pickup, but giving them the ability to offer delivery and then using the, the, the fulfillment networks of the DoorDashes via DoorDash Drive to then offer delivery to their consumers. And that's a very important piece that we work on. That is. So you've kind of flipped it a bit where you're, you're the lunchbox is the source of the order that then needs to be delivered rather than it being the other way around. And, and that gives the restaurant 
that advantage and that branding and, and kind of that best in class service they get identified with instead of that third party. Brilliant. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing strategy. I mean, everyone loves the buzzword omni-channel approach and that truly allows our partners to have that omni-channel approach to, to reach their customers where they are. Well, and the other thing about that is you might typically think about some of the companies that you're partnering with or or utilizing, you know, what they do well. They've got that delivery logistics network out there. So why recreate that? Let's just leverage that. You you typically might think of them as competitors, but you're you're joining forces a little bit and, and utilizing the best of both worlds there. But you do have competition out in the market. So what's going on with, with that? The market is changing so quickly uh, because the demand really for your kind of service is really ramping up from the customer standpoint. For sure. Yeah. So from a customer standpoint, everyone wants it easy and they want it right now and they want it super convenient. So from a, a UI, UX, from a customer experience standpoint, there's the Hathaways, the Koalas, the Plain Airs. These are companies that are building million dollar custom apps, you know, custom hundred thousand dollar, you know, online ordering channels. And so it's a very expensive solution, but it, you know, it's worked. I mean, a lot of the large national brands have the marketing dollars to invest in there. And so those are the competitors that we usually go up against from a mobile app and online ordering creation. And then from a loyalty perspective, Patronics, Punch, Thanks. These are companies that are offering loyalty and maybe have different styles or someone has an AI tool that knows how to best get your customers back, you know, so there's, there's a variety of companies there. And then, you know, then there's Olo and Checkmate and uh, Deliverect and Otter. There's all these aggregators that are helping centralize third-party orders and some do online ordering, some do ghost kitchens. And so it, it really, you know, again, as an operator, it's like you're vetting dozens of partners to do every little piece. Uh, and so, yeah, I definitely think it's it's difficult to understand what works best for for my restaurant and for my technology operating system. And I think that's a lot of what we spend our time to, uh, doing is learning and understanding how we help make their lives a little bit easier. Yeah. And aren't you giving the restaurants uh, that omni-channel solution where, where they don't have to figure out what all of the pieces are? I mean, you want to give them that digital presence and, and you're going to cover all of the areas, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we take all of those different companies that I talked about, we bring that into one. So we're producing the mobile app and standing that up. We're, we're building and scaling the online ordering, providing the loyalty, providing the customer engagement tools. And we have a brand and design team that's helping with the graphics, the stickers that you put in bags, the, you know, the point of purchase material when you go to check out, hey, download our app, QR codes for, for paying and downloading. So yeah, we're, we're a full solution um, when it comes to the digital guest of really helping operators simplify their day-to-day and then ensure that their guest experience is best in class. And that's really what we focus on is how do we build the best digital guest experience? Like brands have spent, spent millions of dollars building beautiful storefronts. How do we do the same for your digital storefront? That's a great way to help us visualize what you're doing because we as customers do want that experience and, and we are looking for that. And I know for one, when I find it, like I'm staying, I, I if I find... Um, a good experience that I like, I'm there. I'm pretty loyal. We can be pretty finicky though, can't we, Jeremy? We're, we're difficult. I know that you're challenged with us, but 
that's why you have a job. And that's why Lunchbox has been so successful is because you're listening to what the needs are out there. Uh, do you have anything else about Lunchbox? I wanted to ask you a couple of personal questions about your entrepreneurial journey, but I do want to hear if there's anything else that's going on at Lunchbox right now that we should know about. It sounds like a really great business model. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's early April. We, we have some uh, moves that are happening from a technology enhancement perspective that we'll be able to talk about here pretty soon. But I do think the consolidation of technology is happening. DoorDash, Bot, Bbot, Olobot, Omnivore. You're starting to see some of these restaurant technology companies acquire each other because, again, the space is so fragmented. And I don't think we're done with the consolidation. So I think 2022, from a restaurant technology perspective, is really going to be fascinating to watch brands come together. And, you know, again, we we see ourselves as the ability to be that all-in-one digital solution. So we need to make sure that our technology, you know, is best in class. And we feel very confident um, for 2022 and beyond that we, we now have that technology stack and should have some exciting news coming from our Lunchbox teams, you know, here in the, in the weeks to come. So uh, definitely seeing a broader shift in uh, the technology set. That's exciting. We're going to have to have a follow-up interview with the Lunchbox team and find out all about that in the next couple of months. That'll be exciting. Uh, well, I would like to find out a little bit because you've had quite a journey as a young entrepreneur. And I think a lot of our listeners and viewers uh, are in that space. They, they are young. They are entrepreneurs in the food space. And um, you talked a bit uh, before about, and I can tell just the way you approach things uh, about your mindset, how you approach new challenges and new opportunities. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, I think core values are so important. You know, we have core values at Lunchbox. I have personal core values. I'm a high school baseball coach and I tell the kids that practice every day, you have to get 1% better every day. And so I think, you know, whatever, you know, industry that you're in, whether it's technology, supply chain, operations, marketing, right? You want to be in something that feels like a hobby. And I think I've been very fortunate that I've really found myself with people that have that same type of drive and passion. I have this pin on my desk. It's a little rhino. And I had this pin to me when I was at Verizon about this rhino mentality, which is you find similar people with similar attributes that like want to work very hard, are very passionate about whether it's making impact in the community or impact in growing businesses. And you find those people and then you build with them. And so I think I've just been very lucky, you know, to be scaling from pocket points and then scaling, you know, over four years, launching markets and then building and scaling our national partnerships team of just surrounding yourself with people that challenge you and make you better and making sure that like, you know, you're the 10th person of the nine other people you surround yourself with. So making sure that those nine other people that you're around on a daily basis, whether it's at the core job, friends, family, that they are helping you become the person that you want to be. And I think, you know, how I've been able to scale from, you know, being the, the sales rep going door to door in Norman, Oklahoma, you know, to leading a, a national sales team now that's trying to you know, help some of the largest national brands in the country. It's all been around the pursuit of learning, getting better, having impact and, you know, working for companies that truly have a, a good mission and vision, um, I think has really helped me stay the path and stay laser focused on like what's important and what I should be focusing on on a day-to-day -day basis. Thanks for sharing that. I think 
I think all of us can think about getting 1% better. Sometimes you think about these big lofty goals you might have, and it seems unachievable or you, you could never get there. But if you just think about getting 1% better, each of us feels like we can do that. Thanks for sharing that that nugget. Uh, I, and I think you've probably learned a lot about leadership. Obviously, you start out kind of that solo guy saying, sure, I'll launch this app for my fraternity. And now, like you said, leading a national sales team, what would be your thoughts about what a good leader looks like? What have you learned um, might be uh, important in that area? Yeah, I'm learning that I still need to learn. I think there's like the constant pursuit, right? I mean, listening, listening to the people on the teams, I mean, especially being in sales, like the best sales folks that I've met are the best listeners. The best leaders that I've met are the best listeners. They understand how to clearly communicate. Um, and they can also like see the vision and help people, you know, get through tough times, right? You know, COVID was so difficult for so many people and being able to understand from a mindset perspective of how do you overcome these obstacles that are out of your control? What can you do personally? What can you do to help enable other people to see, hey, let's take this and not just to say class half full for no reason, but like, let's just take this opportunity, understand what are the controllables, what are the incontrollables, uh, and how can we deal with this situation at hand? What what are we aiming towards and helping people overcome? So I, I do think there's the servant leadership mindset, but it's a continuous, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a young leader and I'm very cognizant that there's a lot that I don't know. And so I think truly at the end of the day, it's you want your team to be successful and your job as the leader is to remove their blockers and then to help encourage them to, to build and grow in the areas in which they want to, whether it's, you know, to keep selling, to move into an operations role, to move into management and, you know, truly caring about helping your team grow and really aligning on their North Star versus the company's North Star. And then finding that right path of, I think patience is one of the big lessons that I've learned personally. And I kind of share that to the team of things just take time. I think society has conditioned us that we need everything now. And it's, it's okay to know where you want to go, but it's okay that that's going to take some time. It could be six months. It could be 12 months. It could be 18 months. So understanding what that North Star is and then building that plan to get there, I think helps people feel more comfortable living in the now and working through the day-to-day -day when they know what they're working towards. Yeah. Being a humble leader, I think is really important. I heard you say that just having a little humility about you don't know it all. And, and being that lifelong learner, you're, you're out there looking and listening, which is really critical because I, I agree with you. The, the best people that I've see others following are really good listeners. They're paying attention and they're, they're that lifelong learner. You know, they know what they know, but they also know that there's a lot they don't know and looking for, for that. And then your third point about the patience to have it all come to fruition, uh, which has probably served you well during this pandemic time, because your industry has had quite a few challenges. I mean, you've, you've got with the restaurant industry as well as others, a lot of challenges going on with supply chain and staffing. And, you know, is there any insight you can give us on how you guys might be approaching that or counseling your clients to approach that? Any um, witty inventions that you've come up with to, to help? Yeah. So I think, you know, the labor shortages, the supply chain issues, I mean, our restaurant partners have been really hurt through the, through the pandemic. And I think that, 
you know, we, again, sometimes what we think is, oh, this is so simple. You know, we're going to build this beautiful digital ordering and this loyalty. And then it's like, oh, well, do you have the people to execute that? What about your staff? Can you even take more orders? Do you have the infrastructure to support this? And so I think what's fascinating is, you know, we really need to listen and hear from the operator perspective, you know, of our restaurant partners of, can you take more orders? Like what, what are your top priorities in your business right now? Like, I know you need a, a new digital resurface, like you need to rebuild this, but are you ready for that? And so, you know, there's been so many tools that we've built, like the, the, the scan to pay with a QR code, because let's just say you are short staffed from a labor perspective and you can't have someone at the POS register well, everyone's got a, a mobile POS now. It's it's their cell phone. So so at Lunchbox, we built that QR code to, to scan and pay. You know, I have, you know, friends that are now leaders at other different restaurant technology companies like Coco, the robot delivery company that's, you know, helping fulfill orders. And then I've seen even the robots that are like bringing the food to people in stores. So I think, you know, the difficulties that we've seen right now from a, a labor supply at, at our restaurant partners is forcing technology to evolve faster of how do you take someone's order without human interaction? Can there be AI technology in a drive-through to collect someone's orders? You know, there's Flippy and there's all these different companies now that are preparing the food and storing the food. And so I think we're just going to see a consistent evolution of you know, how, do, how do restaurants stay efficient while still providing high quality food, high quality customer experience. And it, it's, again, it's going to take some time for the restaurants to get fully, fully back, but you're just going to see restaurants begin to become more and more digitized. And I think people are a little worried that you're going to lose the human touch, but that's the restaurant space. The restaurant space is human touch. So that's always going to stay true. I just think the increase in innovation of technology from order taking to order fulfilling, you just walk into a restaurant, what can be streamlined in this process? That's going to be a huge push the next few years. Yeah. And I think uh, the challenges, like you said, the challenges really have fueled the innovation and uh, the technology is there for people to take advantage of and improving every day. Like you said, people are figuring out new ways of doing things and now really analyzing what in this process can be automated. How can we leverage the resources that we have? So those are all great points. Well, before we leave, I've had a really fun time with our interview today. Is there anything else you think our future Foodcast audience might be interested in that you would like to share with them? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm very bullish on the future of what I think Lunchbox can do to help disrupt the space. I think you know, we're going to be hiring and scaling and continuing to need more folks that want to help restaurants build their channels. Um, so I definitely would encourage and would love for people to, you know, look at lunchbox.io. That's our website. We have career opportunities. We have our partners, you know, support our partner, our restaurant partners that are on our website. If you're, you know, in any of those regions where we service them, you know, engage with our, with, with our brands. But I, I think, you know, the push to technology is, is only going to continue to scale. And so if you're interested in getting into the space, you know, there's what, 500,000, 600,000 restaurants in the US. I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of restaurants that they're going to need help. They're going to need solutions. And, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to build, like there's so it's, we're such in the early innings. And I think that's what makes me so excited to come to work every day is that, you know, what we're doing is leading edge today, but we're going to be forced and we're going to have to continue to innovate in the future because, you know, what was good in 2020 is not 
good now in 2022. And so the constant evolution and change, you know, I'm very bullish on our, on our future here at Lunchbox and just the restaurant technology industry at, at large. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for that encouragement and that challenge. <laughs> Both are great. We've really enjoyed having you. I hope you have a great day. Thank you, Pam. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcasts. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 